Hello and welcome to the United Community Channel. My name is Jack and this is your latest Manchester United news and transfer news. And look, as always, we've got plenty to talk about, plenty to get into. Please do smash a like on the video, hit subscribe if you're new to the channel. Uh, and look, I mean, it wouldn't be as usual uh, a transfer talk show in this January transfer window without talking about Anthony Martial. Uh, we've heard over the last few days that potentially he has been... Um, you know, isolated from the Manchester United squad that he is, uh, you know, training on his own, so on and so forth. His agent has come out uh, against some of these claims. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we're also going to be talking uh, about a potential uh, striker coming in. We've been linked with him before uh, from Germany. Bit on the, on the, well, I suppose he would be on the wrong side of 30, you could say. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well. Uh, we're also going to talk about what Roy Keane has to say uh, about Bruno Fernandes. Uh, and he mentioned it on Stick to Football with Gary Neville. Uh, and the fact that Bruno Fernandes might actually be hindering Manchester United more so than helping them. We'll talk about that. We'll look at uh, the, I suppose, shortlist in relation to a centre-back signing. Not really going to be in January, but more so the summer. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the Qatari bid. Uh, they're not happy about the reports that have been coming out the last uh, few days as well. So, uh, look, as always, guys, like I said, please do smash a like on the video. Get your comments into the comment section below, uh, as always. And uh, we'll go down through your comments as the uh, as the live goes on. But thanks for watching. Uh, but look, we're going to kick it off, of course, with Anthony Martial. Um, as we know, over the last couple of days, uh, he has been... Uh, reported as to be training on his own and exiled a little bit from uh, the Manchester United first team squad. But his agent has come out uh, in the past few hours uh, and completely rubbished uh, false reports uh, that the star was ordered to train on his own uh, by Eric Ten Hag. Uh, he goes on to say Martial will not leave and he will see out his contract until the end of June as well. Um he also says, uh, what is said about him is completely false. Uh, he was not excluded from the group and he has no problem with Eric Ten Hag. He is simply going to undergo a small operation on his abductors, uh, which he should have done for a while uh, and which did not allow him to be 100%. So he will do it now. Uh, so basically, he's he needs an operation and... Uh, he's going to get it done right now. Uh, Anthony Martial was absent over the Christmas and New Year with illness, but has since recovered and returned to individual training. And to be honest with you, this is not, this is not, you know, out of the norm or, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, um, it's quite common that, you know, when you've got an injury or you're out of the team or so on and so forth, that you do probably a little bit of training outside of the first team squad until you're up to, you know, fully up to scratch with and, you know, and back up to your 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 proper fitness levels. And I think this might be the case with Anthony Martial as well. However, there can be another side to this scenario and this story, which which I have been thinking about the last uh, few hours, ever since I've been reading these reports. Uh, and the fact that Anthony Martial has decided to go and get a, you know, a procedure on the adductors that he's basically mentioned here that he needs done, it doesn't sit right with me at all. It really doesn't. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Rashford when he went and got his surgery at the wrong time, which meant he missed the start of the season and so on and so forth. Uh, that was a couple of years back. This this just rings out to me maybe that Anthony Martial knows that, you know, obviously his time is up at Manchester United. He is going to leave in the summer. He's going to get this operation done now, which means he will be fully fit uh, by the time the summer comes around, you know, now obviously if it's a small operation, 
there shouldn't be too much issue. But he doesn't want to leave it any longer until the end of the season and potentially uh, have to undergo it then. And then it would be a lot more difficult to actually get a transfer move. Uh, and this could be a reason why potentially Eric Ten Hag has not really been happy with him the last few weeks. Um, this is what now. This is all just how I'm reading into it. I don't know if the, any of this is true or not. But if Eric Ten Hag wants Martial, he's obviously going to be there as backup. He doesn't want him to go for an operation. Uh, and Martial decides that he does want to go for it. Then Eric Ten Hag is just going to go, okay, fine. I have to move on. Go train on your own. Uh, and, you know, I'll see you when you're fit. You know, so I think that's more That's more than likely what the case is there. Uh, look, we spoke about Martial in depth, haven't we, in relation to... You know, the fact that his time is pretty much done at Manchester United. Uh, I think everybody involved with the club, including the manager, you know, the majority of the fan base would all like to see him leave in the January transfer window because it would mean that we would get a transfer fee in for him and it would allow us to reinvest. We know how hard it is at the moment with uh, financial fair play. And we know that, you know, we are short in certain areas of the field, especially up front. And if Anthony Martial is not going to be there because he has gone for an operation or, you know, lack of fitness or lack of quality, whatever it may be, uh, then I think Eric Ten Hag is, is well within his rights to go, all right, that's fine, but you're not part of my plans anymore. Uh, you know, and you can, you know, I'll only use you when I absolutely need to. Um Let's see what people are saying here. Martin is saying, rumour has it, Martial is going to Liverpool so Klopp can make a player out. Best of luck with that one. Uh, I'd love to see him go to Liverpool, if I'm honest with you. He'd, be, he'd get more goals than Darwin Nunez, though. Uh, so at this point, reporters are just trying to make Eric Ten Hag look bad. Well, look, it's always a circus, isn't it, Reese, with uh, with Manchester United? Uh, Danny says, I've nothing against Anthony Martial, but in my opinion, he's not good enough, and it would be best for everyone if he moved on. Let's hope someone will sign him. Well, look, there has been interest, hasn't there? You know, there's reports of a number of clubs in Turkey. Obviously, the Saudi... Clubs have been uh, have been potentially looking at him as well. Uh, again, I, I go back to what I've said over the last few weeks. I don't think Anthony Martial is going to leave in this transfer window. And I think the fact that he does now need to go for a small operation, I think is going to double down on the fact that no team will probably want to even come in for him. Uh, they won't be willing to take the chance. You know, we know he's been injury prone over the last few years. Uh, and there's been, you know, watching uh, the United stand today, um, Goldbridge has been talking about he he's getting a little bit of unfair treatment. I have to disagree, to be honest with you. I think the treatment he's receiving from fans uh, is bang on. He's been so inconsistent over the course of his Manchester United career. I, I don't think fans, Manchester United fans, you know, wish him any bad luck in his career. Or, you know, we just want him gone from Manchester United. We want him off the books. We want to be able to move on players so that we don't stagnate the development of the team and the club. Uh, and I think that's basically what it is with the majority of the fan base. I have nothing against Anthony Martial. Uh, he, he's given us a, a small number of good moments uh, in a Manchester United shirt. Obviously, the goal against Liverpool, the winner in the FA Cup semi-final against um, Everton. But, uh, you know, I, I have to disagree that he's been treated unfairly. I think... You know, any fan base whose player whose players won't leave because of the money that they're on, rather than actually wanting to play football, I don't think will be would be favored by any fan base, not just Manchester United fans. Like, you know, we've got Liverpool fans in the chat. Well, one, uh, and I'm sure, you know, if if Klopp wanted to get rid of 
you know, Darwin Nunez, for example, because he wasn't scoring goals and realised he wasn't good enough. That's the case anyway, so I don't know why he isn't looking to get rid of him. But Darwin Nunez decided, no, I'm on 200 grand a week here or whatever it is he's on. I'm not going to get that anywhere else. I'm going to stay and see out my contract. I think Liverpool fans would feel the same way that we feel about Anthony Martial, and I think it's just normal. So, look, I think Anthony Martial will leave uh, in the summer. I don't think he's going to leave in January. He will see out his contract. Um, and it's a shame because it's... Now, again, I mean, I go back to what we've said previously. Manchester United are at fault for this, for giving him a new contract a few years ago when he didn't deserve one. And, you know, we allow players to go into the final year of their contracts. You know, I think with the likes of Sir Jim Radcliffe coming in and putting in new structures in place, there has to be some kind of trap door there where, you know, you don't allow a player to go into the final year of his contract. When he's got two years left, you sit down and negotiate a new deal with him or you decide to sell him on. It has to be the case because we have to get better at selling players. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, in, in the last two, three, four transfer windows, we've been talking about financial fair play. Uh, we do spend an awful lot of money, but the difference between Manchester United and other top teams is that they're able to sell players uh, for decent money. Now, even the likes of Liverpool and Man City and, you know, Arsenal to a lesser extent are never going to recoup money back in full for the, for what they pay for players. It's it's not the case with big clubs. You know, you buy players in for big money because you are a big club and because the player is signing for a big club. You are never going to sell them on for a problem. Like, name me a player uh, besides, I don't know, maybe Cristiano Ronaldo that we actually sold on for a profit. You know, um, it very, very rarely happens. And I think we have to, I suppose, acknowledge that fact. But... That doesn't mean we can't improve on selling players. We can't allow players to go into the final year of the contract. When they have two years left on their contract, in that summer, you sit down with them and say, we're going to offer you a new deal. Or you say, look, you're no longer part of our plans. We're going to put you on the transfer list and try to move you on. And then when you've got two years left on the contract, it's easier to get more money into the club because of the length of the contract. Um, yeah, he's there. Why, so where else would he be? You're worried where the dog is. He's sitting at my feet. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm talking about here more than anything else. You know, um, we have to get better at selling players because it will it will free up an awful lot of the financial burdens that we have with financial fair play at the moment. And I think it's I think it's 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 the right thing to do. And I, I hope it is something that we will we will improve over the coming years under Sir Jim Radcliffe. Ben is in. Good to see you, Ben. Uh, Niall says, uh, we all know where this is going. He's leaving on a free in the summer. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, Reese says, uh, I'd just have him sold now as soon as possible because if he's having an operation, then he's out for a while. No need to keep him if he's useless to us for a month or so. Exactly, Reese. However, what club will buy him for five, six, seven million pounds if he is going to be out for a period of time like that as well. So, you know, we're stuck with him, I think. Um, I saw a report that uh, United are looking at Benzema. Uh, what in the name of Jez is wrong with United buying washed up players? Well, we're not uh, looking to buy him, Martin. We're looking to loan him for six months. Um, and I don't think it would be a bad deal if the finances are right. I don't think we can afford him given the fact that he's on about four million a week in Saudi. And I don't see why they would let him go unless someone else was covering his wages. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, did we sell Beckham for free or good money? No, we sold Beckham for 25 million, I think, which back in 2000 and 
three two thousand and four, I think it was, um, was was really really good money. But Beckham didn't cost us anything. He came up through the academy, you know. But anyway, guys, let's move it on and talk about a, a, a potential incoming in in the forward area. And obviously, we've been talking about Manchester United looking at loan signings. It doesn't look like we're going to be signing anyone on a permanent deal in January, given the fact that we're talking about financial fair, fair play. Um, but one of the names that has been linked with United over the past couple of weeks has been uh, Eric Maxim Chupamoting. Uh, this guy is 34 years of age, playing for Bayern Munich. Uh, and Fabrizio Romano has been saying today that he would be open to joining Manchester United this month. Now, again, this would be a loan deal. Uh, it, it would. Um, Sky Sports are also talking about, they've said Manchester United have got their eyes open in the loan market. In the last two transfer windows, United waited until deadline day to make signings, so you can't rule anything out. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, you know, we've we, we've always said that deals in January tend to get done very late in the window because not only are clubs looking to buy players, but I think the clubs that are looking to sell hold all the cards in January because nobody wants to make a move too quick. You know, clubs might want to get a player in before they decide to let another player leave. And especially when you're talking about the middle of the season, you literally cannot get it wrong. You know, you cannot allow players to leave without replacing them in the January window, in the middle of the season, when you can't afford to do so. Whatever about the summer transfer window, when you're talking about a three-month, uh, you know, window being open you've got time to correct maybe any mistakes that you may make at the start of it um but yeah i mean chupamoting 34 years of age look wouldn't be the uh wouldn't be the ideal signing for for us i, I have to say a uh, bit of a journey man but you know manchester united are desperate at the moment and, and we mentioned it yesterday that we're desperate to take the pressure off of rasmus highland more than anything else where he doesn't have to start every single game and play 90 minutes all of the time because he will get burnt out. He's a young man. And I know he's young and, you know, fit as a fiddle and, you know, full of energy. But you have to be very careful with young players because playing them too much too soon can lead to injuries further down the line, you know. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, whereas I hope it doesn't happen with Rasmus Highland, it is, it, it's been seen so many times down through the years. So, you know, if it's Chubamoting coming in, then all well and good. You know, I I would take a centre forward now. You know, I mean, he's coming from Bayern Munich, so he mustn't be that bad. Of course, he's a backup over there as well. Um, but, I mean, he, he probably would be coming into Manchester United as a backup and it would be a loan deal as well. So, um, I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be too much of a risk, given the fact that we're not going to be, like, we're not looking like last season where, you know, we're bringing in Wout Weghorst and he's going to play 14 games in a row starting. You know, that's not going to be the case this time around because we've got Rasmus Highland. If if Chupamoting or whoever it is that 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 may come in as a striker in, in this transfer window, they will be probably coming in as a backup or a rotation option at best, you know. And I think, I think that's the difference between this... January transfer window and last year's one when we got the likes of uh, Vout Veghorst. Uh, let's see what people are saying in the chat here. Um, DJ says, uh, just, th just 
got done cleaning uh, the car of snow uh, evening. Oh, good to see you, DJ. Hope everyone is keeping well over there, uh, staying out of the snow. Uh, Danny says, uh, let's hope we can get a striker in, especially for help for Rasmus, uh, but we need to get a move on before it becomes too late. Uh, swap deal with Martial, says Reese. Yeah, well, see, the thing about it is, is it's a loan deal coming in, so it would have to be a loan deal going out as well. Uh, Niall says, even if we get a striker in, supply is our biggest issue. See, Highland has had less shots on goal um, than McWhistle this season. Just shows he's been starved of service. I agree with you 100%, Niall, and I think it's a big concern. And I think it is something that we will have to look at um, in the summer transfer market. Now, look, we still have players to come back. You know, Mason Mount... It, 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 an awful lot is going to depend on what Mason Mount does when he comes back from injury and how the second half of his season goes, whether he can kick on and start putting a, a run of consistent good performances together. And if that's the case, then maybe you might not have to dip into the transfer market as quick because he is quite a creative player. Um, and we get on to talking about it here as well while we're talking about creativity um, because there was a big... Um, Big debate uh, with Roy Keane, uh, and he's been talking about Bruno Fernandes, who, who is our most creative player, you would have to say. Uh, he said on uh, Stick to Football t t this week with Gary Neville, you're killing us, you're costing us, uh, which is Keane's brutal assessment of uh, Bruno Fernandes. According to Manchester United icon Roy Keane, Bruno Fernandes's lack of discipline uh, and potential awareness off the ball is something that is costing the team. Even though Keane thinks he can perform magic with the ball, he feels that when United aren't winning, his off-the-ball work is a concern. Uh, the Portuguese midfielder has been the best player at the club since joining in 2020, but sometimes his decision-making and positioning sense can be erratic. Uh, Keane says, if you watch him at international level, he does the same thing, floating around. Uh, it can't all be the coaches and managers. Uh, there's a player out there, and if he's going... And and if he's doing all that stuff and producing magic, you almost forgive him. But if you're in a struggling team and you're doing all that stuff, that's where it stands out and you go, you're killing us, you're costing us. Uh, I reckon if you go back at his career, uh, he's done it in every team. It's a trait. It's not as if he's an inexperienced player, leopards and spots. He'll get away with it uh, if Manchester United were winning more matches and he was producing his bits of magic, um, which he has done before. So basically, look, we've spoken about this um, on, 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 on lives while we've been, you know, watching Manchester United games. Uh, and we've spoke about Bruno Fernandes's lack of uh, lack of discipline when it comes to the shape of the team, you know. Now, I don't know if this is coming, you know, directly. And, th and this is basically what Keane was getting down to, you know, because they were discussing it, him, Carragher, Neville, Ian Wright. Um, they were talking about Fernandez and the lack of structure he has within the team, his discipline to keep, you know, his position, keep his shape, so on and so forth. And I don't know if this is coming from Eric Ten Hag, that he's got maybe a free role and a free, you know, go and do what you want, you know, just try and create as much as possible. Um, but we've seen, especially with the Spurs goal, the, the, the Spurs second goal after halftime last week, the whole midfield was caught out. You know, we know Ericsson hasn't got the legs to come back. Bruno Fernandes was caught too high up the field again. Um, and we've seen so many times this season that cutback ball onto the edge of the box. United have conceded so many goals um, this season because of them types of chances given away. Uh, and I think it is down to midfield. And, and I do have to agree with Keane on this one. Uh, I think Bruno Fernandes could be coached an awful lot better. Uh, now, I don't know if Eric Ten Hag is doing that because we've 
you know, maybe he is. And we've Keen mentioned it as well that he doesn't just do it for Manchester United. He's done it for his previous clubs and he's doing it for his international team as well. Uh, so maybe it's just a style of player that he is. I think we're so open at the moment that I think more than anything else, we just need to get, you know, compact and we need to get tight and we need to be hard to play through. And I think when you've got the likes of Bruno Fernandes in your team and alongside the likes of Christian Eriksen, who just doesn't have the physicality or the legs anymore, I think you're going to be wide open to these types of attacks all the time. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it, it 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 is quite concerning. It really is. Look, I, I love Bruno Fernandes. He's he, he like the report says there. He has been our best player since he joined in in 2020, and his stats speak for themselves. But I think off the ball, he could be an awful lot better, and I think he could improve an awful lot um, with what he does, uh, and he could help the team a lot more just by being a little bit more disciplined when you're not on when you're not in possession. You know. Uh, but but as well, what I would say is, and any good team uh, with good characters in it would notice it. Now, look, I played centre back, and as as a sweeper, I played more than, more as a centre back because obviously I haven't got the height, and obviously at nowhere near the types of levels we're talking about here. But I can see, I, I could probably the, the best attribute of my game was actually reading the game. And I could tell when we were under the cosh and I could tell when, you know, we're up against it here for a minute. And not only we are, you know, does a centre back you know, organise his defence, but he organises the midfield in front of him. And he even organises the forward players when we haven't got the ball, telling us to tuck in, get tight, go left, go right. And I don't think we have that in our team as well. You know, if you had a, a Rio Ferdinand in there, for example, you know, the second we lose the ball, he'd be screaming at Bruno Fernandes, get central, get into position, get behind the ball, make it hard for us to be broken down and played through, especially through the middle. Let, let, let teams go wide all you want. Stay compact. You know, keep teams wide. Don't let them near your goal. Um, so, yeah, it, not only do we have a little bit of criticism on Bruno Fernandes here, but some of the players that are playing in the Manchester United team should be grabbing a hold of him, even if he is the captain. Some of the senior players, the likes of Varane, um, you know, Martinez, even, for example, you could say as a senior member, Casemiro behind him going, get in with me, get tight. You know, don't, be, don't get caught up on the corner flag when... You know, you don't need to be. There's guys already out there, so on and so forth. And I think that's what United need to improve on going forward. Um, let's see what people are saying on this. Uh, let's see. Kieran says, uh, we have creative midfielders and wingers that can get the ball in. Uh, what do you think is going so wrong? It's, it's a combination of an awful lot. You know, obviously injuries, consistency, confidence as well, I think has a big part to play. Reese says, I don't disagree with Kino. Uh, Niall says, Bruno's not the player he was when he came, but I don't know if it's down to him or the players around him. Well, the thing about Niall is, I think, I think we play in a more structured system now under Ten Hag than we did under Solskjaer. Uh, and I think that's a big, I won't say negative, but when it comes to Bruno Fernandez's game, it's all about flair and expressing yourself and, you know, playing with freedom. And while that is brilliant when you're on the ball, when you're off, when you're out of possession, you have to have a structure. And I think that's what Eric Ten Hag is trying to do. Um, and maybe he's, you know, maybe he's not getting the most out. Now, look, this is all speculation, guys. We're, you know, we're just giving our opinions here. But 
I would like to see, I mean, it, it's been quite evident this season that our central midfield has been the area of concern where we can't keep, um, you know, we can't keep, uh, our teams are too easy. We're played, we're, Manchester United are played through in midfield way too easy. And that's the problem, I think. Danny says, uh, Roy Keane speaks sense. Bruno hasn't been good enough this year uh, either, especially with him uh, being captain. Uh, he should be setting an example for the other players. Now, look, I think, look, this is not a Bruno, um, you know, a negative Bruno video here. We're just, we're just, Speaking here, I think Bruno has still been one of our better players this season. He hasn't been a good, as good as he has been last season. Uh, but name me a player in 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 this Manchester United side that has been. Um, you know, he's still one of our most dangerous players. Uh, and I think, you know, I would just like to see him. I would like to see him use his experience a little bit more and not get caught too high you know we've seen times as well when maybe if he gives away a free kick and he's talking to the referee and they take a quick free kick and then he's out of the game small little things like that but i i, I still love bruno i have to say uh dj says right now we need structure and we can't allow the freedom he may want but as kino said it's how he plays absolutely and i would if if i was the manager in there i would be saying to to bruno fernandez look just give me the next six months where I need you, I need you focused on playing a certain position, you know. And when we get settled and when we start, you know, progressing and, you know, getting better and maybe after the transfer window in the summer we get players in, you know, you can maybe express yourself a little bit. But for now, backs to the wall, we're really up against it for the remainder of the season. I need you to be focused. Um, John is in, he says, evening all. I have to agree with Keane. Still a class player, uh, but not captain material. Uh, Chris says, is Keane wrong? No. Uh, but is he the type of player? Uh, is he this type of player? Manager must make uh, concessions and build the team around him. Can Bruno be better? Yes. Uh, but that takes... Uh, but, but the takeaways from him. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. Absolutely. Um, can Bruno be better? Yes. Um, and you're mentioning there we should be building a team around him. I completely agree with that as well. However, I would like to... You, you, we're not going to be building a team around him between now and the summer. So I would say until the summer, I need you to be, you know, very, very regimented in what you do. Now, this is, I'm talking specifically when we don't have the ball. You know, when we do have the ball, you have the freedom of the park. Go and express yourself. Go and try and create. But when we don't, I need you here. I need you in this position. I need fucking Manu in this position. I need Casemiro behind the 2 I need you to cut off the, the channels so we can't be played through. And I think if we have three players doing that, rather than just Manu and Casemiro, then I think it would be a lot easier or a lot harder for teams to break us down. Uh, we do not have a field general uh, at, at any level. Well, hopefully Casemiro will bring that when he comes back. Um, when Varane plays, we are set up much better. Still not the field general we need. I agree. I don't think Varane is very vocal. Uh, you know, he's, he's a Rolls Royce of a player, but he, he doesn't come across as the type of player that will scream and shout and, you know, organise around him. Uh, Bruno does need to be better at uh, holding possession as well. Yeah, and we've noticed that as well a little bit with Bruno over the last... Uh, over the last, I suppose, over the last few months, this season particularly, we said last season that Ericton had done a great job of getting rid of Bruno Fernandes as Hollywood balls. You know, under Ranić and under Solskjaer, he used to love spraying these big 70-yard passes that didn't always come off. And Ten Hag done really well of getting that out of his game last season. He was playing short one-twos. You know, link-up play was brilliant. Um, 
but we're seeing it creep back into his game this season. And maybe it's a little bit of desperation, you know, when you're when the game is not going your way, when you're not winning, you know, and it's a tough season, you're probably going to force it a little bit. But we just need him to get back playing to, you know, back simplifying his game. Uh, so it sounds like Bruno doesn't suit an Eric Ten Hag style of play, says Niall. No, I think it does, Niall. I, I, I think it does. You need creative players in every team. I just think the type of setup that Eric Ten Hag is trying to play, he needs to have Bruno on a tighter leash. I think that's all it is. I do think Bruno can fit into an Eric Ten Hag way of playing on a team, absolutely. But I think for now, you just have to reel him in a little bit and go, I need you to be... Um, I need you to be a little bit more more contained. Uh, I agree with you about containing. Bruno says, Chris, also when safety whistle is in, it makes everyone else look worse. Safety whistle, for anyone who doesn't know, is Scott McTominay. Um, um, Niall says, move on, move on, Jack. We're digging too deep. Yeah, all right, let's move it on. Let's move it on. Yeah, we, we spoke a good bit about that. Um, I want to talk briefly, guys, about... Um, I want to talk a little bit about the centre-back area. Uh, and obviously, it's an area that Manchester United are looking to improve on. Again, it's going to be the summer. So this is, while it's a transfer talk show, we're going to be talking about uh, about summer moves here. But uh, Manchester United supposedly have compiled a three-man centre-back shortlist after planning uh, a summer defence revamp. Manchester United are already making plans for the summer transfer window, and after a tumultuous start of the season, they're seemingly uh, be uh, they'll seemingly be starting with the back line. Um, let's get down to it here and see what they say. Uh, as much, Eric Ten Hag is planning to see out uh, the term uh, with the current players he has at his disposal, but has begun eyeing a defensive revamp, according to ESPN. Johnny Evans and Raphael Varane are out of contract in June and United have opted against triggering the latest, or sorry, the latter's one-year extension, while Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire may be offloaded if suitable offers arrive. Uh, in turn, a three-man shortlist of ideal targets has been drawn up, uh, consisting of Bayern Munich's uh, Matthias De Ligt, Nice's Jean-Claude Tadebo and Everton's Jared Brantwaite, um, all of which are likely to cost a pretty penny given their ages and the value of their re of their uh, respective clubs so yeah um the defense the central the center of defense more than anything is i think center back and a center forward are probably going to be our priorities in the summer um Eric Ten Hag tried already last summer to get in a new center back of course we know about Kim Min Jae and you know, the fact that we didn't get him. Uh, we tried to sell Harry Maguire. He didn't go. Um, we got Johnny Evans on a, a fucking loan deal for a year. Um, and then Martin has got injured. So, I mean, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big summer for defensive acquisitions. I think we need two centre-backs minimum. I really do. Now, Again, that will depend on how many centre-backs we can shift out of the club. Will Harry Maguire finally go? Will you move on Victor Lindelof? I would be shocked if if, if Johnny Evans is given another uh, extension or another one-year deal. Although I do think his performances this season have been absolutely outstanding. Um, but there are some concerns, you know, like you'd be looking at, Varane is obviously the wrong side of 30 now. He's 
you know, he's injury prone. We know Lissandro Martinez is going to be bang on that number one left side of centre back. And if you look at Brathwaite as well, Brathwaite, whatever, however you pronounce it, he I think he's a left side of centre back as well. Uh, but if you're looking at the likes of Tadebo and uh, Delict, obviously they're both right side of centre backs. And I think either of them would complement Lissandro Martinez perfectly. I have to say. Um, but I do think it's going to be a very important summer for Manchester United. Now, we have been linked with a Barcelona centre-back as well, um, but uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I always get messed up, but you can see his name on the screen there. Uh, his intentions for Barcelona and future uh, have been declared. Um, Arojo, is it? I think that's how you pronounce it. Someone type it out in, in the chat and tell me how to actually pronounce it. Um but he has no plans to leave Barcelona in the coming months, despite tentative interest from Manchester United. The 24-year-old has established himself as one of Europe's finest centre-backs in recent years, and scouts from a number of top sides have followed his development closely. Reports in Germany named Bayern Munich as suitors this winter, and those same outlets have added United's name to the mix. While United are admirers of him, sources have confirmed to 90 Minutes that the transfer is currently unlikely for a number of reasons. The primary, uh, the primary stumbling block uh, is his current happiness at Barcelona. He wants to stay and continue working with Xavi, and Barca officials have also no desire to entertain offers, uh, recognising his status as a key player for the team. An extension to his contract, which runs to 2026, is a real possibility. I think this this guy is, uh, while he is a fantastic centre-back, I think we can we can write him off straight away. Arojo. There we go. Arojo. A woohoo! Um, so, yeah. Um, Ronald Arojo. I, I I don't see Manchester United going for him at all. I think even if we could get him, he'd cost way too much money. Uh, and yeah, I, I think the likes of a Tadebo or even a even a Delict you would get for you know you know a, a small fraction of the price that this guy would cost. I would say you'd probably be looking at 80, 90 million for him, where you could get probably you know, Tadebo or Delict for anywhere from 50 to 60 million. And I think that's the type of business that Man United need to be doing uh, in terms of the centre-back uh, area. Um, but yeah, like I said, look, centre-back is going to be a big area uh, for Manchester United in the summer. Um, it's a shame that, again, we're just overlooking the the January transfer window. I know it's hard to do deals uh, in, the, in the January transfer window, but... You know, it, it looks like Manchester United are completely overlooking it again to concentrate on the summer. And look, it can be understandable, uh, given the fact that, you know, there's going to be a change of ownership in the next few weeks and everything is a little bit in the air. Uh, but, you know, I do think we need some reinforcements, whether that be loan deals or not. Um, I think we need to get some players in in January. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, guys, about... Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Qatari bid uh, before we finish up as well. Um, because as we spoke about last night, and I I, I done a little bit uh, this morning on the on the morning news show. Check it out every day, guys. Uh, by the way, something I've started uh, now. We got uh, we got some new microphone equipment, so I'm going to be doing a morning news show. It's only about ten minutes, just giving you the headlines. Uh, of the morning newspapers uh, and we're going to be doing that every Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. as well uh, sorry 10 a.m. Uh, so it, it, it's not a live it's pre-recorded so check it out every morning if you're on your lunch break uh, give it a quick watch and, and give it a like and throw your comments in as well uh, but we mentioned it this morning uh, that Sheik Jazim the offer was a bit of a I I won't say a fake one but it was kind of all smoke and mirrors more than anything else uh, but 
Sheik Jazim is now asking for a corrective statement from Manchester United after proof of funds claim. So basically, uh, the SEC uh, claimed that on numerous occasions, Manchester United went to Sheikh Jazim and his representatives looking for proof of funds to actually buy Manchester United, uh, and proof of funds was never made available. Uh, they were also told about the price of the share, uh, or sorry, the share price, which would I think it was thirty-five dollars a share, something about something around that, uh, which would come out to about four point five billion uh, would be required as an offer to put in. Uh, but obviously, again, they didn't come uh, near. Uh, that uh, reports of from Mike Keegan in the Daily Mail again today has said Sheikh Jazeen claims he met Manchester United's 4.5 billion asking price despite the club telling its shareholders that they did not. The Qataris also say that they did provide proof of funds. Uh, the group ha the group have been left furious after United claimed to stakeholders that their group did not hit the valuation set by the owners, uh, the Glazers, or show evidence as to where the financial or the finance was coming from. Um, yeah, look, I don't know where this is coming from. You know, it doesn't seem to have come from Manchester United. You know, the SEC and all of these kind of things have uh, have been, are, are kind of independent to, you know, obviously the club and, and, and Qatar and Sir Jim and all of that. So I, the more I read into it, the more I think that, you know, the, the Qatari bid was probably never a, a viable option. And, I think that's probably it, it's probably why if these reports are to believe it's probably why the process dragged on for as long as it did um and maybe the conspiracy theorist is coming out in me here that maybe this is the glazers way of probably skimming over the fact that they just took so long Either this is the reason why it took so long because Sheikh Jazim didn't provide proof of funds or the Glazers just took their time and this is their way of letting on that it wasn't their fault. So you can look at it from both sides. It's a pretty strange story, I have to say. Um, I mean, we've only ever seen four photographs of Sheikh Jazim. It was two originally. And then people started saying, who is this guy? Nobody has ever met him or, or you know, no, nobody has ever seen him. You know, he's never really been on camera. And then a couple of other photos started to, you know, come up of him. I said it at the time that Jim Radcliffe had the more personal touch when it came to the bidding process where, you know, it was all through intermediaries with the Qataris and so on and so forth. And I think that played a massive part. I really do. Um what would we be getting now if the Qataris had won? Would we be getting similar? Would we be getting, you know, intermediaries putting out statements on behalf of him? Would he be sitting down in a boardroom with the Man United Supporters Trust like Sir Jim Radcliffe was doing? I don't think he would. I really don't. I think he would be the silent partner in the background, uh, like we've seen with the likes of Man City and, and, and Newcastle, and he'd have somebody else running the club. Whereas Jim Radcliffe is there, he's he, he's got his feet under the table and, and he's shown his face. Um, and I think that's something that Man United fans are resonating a little bit with because we haven't seen it in 20 years with the Glazers. Speaking of the scum, um, the Glazer family supposedly can force Sir Jim Radcliffe to sell shares uh, with a future sale. 
before we get into it, let me go down through some of the comments here and then we'll get into it. Uh, sideline reporter Jack Pines uh, needed needed twill hat. Yeah, I might get an old paddy hat and throw it on, uh, see how we get on. Uh, Reese says, I refuse to believe an oil company doesn't have six billion. Uh, DJ says, it's a pretty odd story after the fact. Uh, I started thinking he was a fake person too. Uh, Niall says, skimming over the fact they just took 30 million out of the club to cover legal fees. Exactly. We spoke about that last night, didn't we? Uh, Danny says, I don't believe anything the Glazers say. They're just trying to make themselves feel better. They had no interest or attention uh, or attention intention in selling the club. Uh, they were just playing games and wasting everybody's time. Chris says, don't you think it would have come out sooner if there was no proof of funds? Well, there was non-disclosure agreement signed, wasn't there? So nobody could really open their mouth about anything until until the process ran its course. Glazers were going to PSG guy, uh, asking him to raise the bid. Yeah, I mean, it was all a bit mad, wasn't it? But anyway, on to this report here. The Glazer family could force Sir Jim Radcliffe to sell his shares in Manchester United if they choose to permanently walk away from Old Trafford. Radcliffe is awaiting on the completion of his $1.3 billion deal um, to give him control of the, of the club's football decisions uh, while also allowing the Glazers to remain at the club in some capacity. As part of the deal with the Glazers, Radcliffe will be given the chance to make the first offer if the Americans ever decide to fully cash in uh, and sell all their shares. However, the Glazers have no obligation to accept Radcliffe's proposal and could opt to sell their shares to a higher bidder, at which point Radcliffe would be forced to sell all his shares as well. Uh, Glazers cannot uh, encourage new offers for Manchester United for at least 12 months after Radcliffe's takeover is completed, and 18 months after that date, they are free to sell the Red Devils in full and force Radcliffe's Trawlers Limited Company to sell as well. Um, yeah, so this story again, kind of while I do think the Glazers, you know, I well, look, they will eventually sell, they will eventually sell, they can't have Manchester United forever. Um, they even though Sir Jim Radcliffe is coming in and we're hearing about the football side and he's taken over all of that. The Glazers are still running it. They are still running it. They hold all the cards, um, like we've just seen there. If they decide to sell in 18 months' time, Jim Radcliffe, and they go with a different bidder to Jim Radcliffe, then Jim is gone, you know. Now, we go back into the debacle of what we've had for the last, you know, 14, 15 months, you know. We will go back into a Qatar versus whoever, you know, or whoever the new bidders are at the time. Um, the Glazers hold all the cards still on the future of Manchester United and who eventually will own the club in full. The Glazers will decide that. Um, the fact that they've chosen Sir Jim Radcliffe for the first 25% is, you know, a good thing, I would say, given, you know, all the positive stuff we've been hearing about him so far. But don't get it twisted here. If some other... American, you know, or, you know, Asian or European entity comes in to try and buy Manchester United for bigger money than anybody else is offering just so they can do what the Glazers have done for the last 20 years. The Glazers will sell it to them. They will. But look, that's a story for another day and it's all uh, ifs and buts. But again, 
the Glazers hold all the cards on who eventually owns Manchester United in the future, and that's the worrying thing. Um, Oshin says Glazers are never selling. Uh, it'll be a generate. Uh, it'll be generational. Uh, uh, they're too uh, easy money. Uh, Niall says, the most damning part of that statement is if they decide to sell. Exactly. Uh, and Danny says, if Jim Radcliffe has paid 1.3 billion for 25% and knowing the Glazers, they would screw Jim over because it's all about money. Um, yeah, just leave it there. I'll do it now in a sec. I'm just finishing up. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, so again, like we said, the Glazers hold all the cards. It has to be said. Um, and look, let's see what happens. We, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm finishing on a negative, but you know, we're, we, we're just talking about what's been, uh, what's been spoken about in the media. Um, but guys, look, we're going to leave it there. Please smash a like on the video on your way out. Hit subscribe as well. If you're new to the channel, um, like I said, I will be back. Uh, in the morning for the morning news. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out every weekday at 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Jesus, sorry, that's twice I've said that now. 10 a.m. every morning, we'll upload the the paper talk, basically what it is. So all of the uh, the headlines from the newspapers. Uh, so check that out every morning at 10 a.m. And of course, I'll be back again tomorrow night, same time, same place for the Manchester United News Show, uh, as always. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Check us out on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well, guys. Uh, if you miss out on any of these uh, new shows, they are uploaded as podcasts onto wherever you listen uh, to your podcast. You'll be able to get it. Uh, United Community Podcast. If you haven't already done so, go follow us wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review as well because it helps us out an awful lot. Uh, thanks for watching, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, have a great evening, and I'll chat to you tomorrow. Take it easy.